Well, good morning, Greenwich. Today is Thursday. It's July 30th. It's good to welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Uh, thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day uh, to consider a morning psalm and some theological uh, reflections. Uh, before we dive into the morning psalm, just an administrative note, I'm going to be taking uh, next week off, and so I'm not sure exactly yet what we'll post. might be some reruns, uh, but it might also be a couple other items. We've done some interviews with some folks, and so uh, please do tune in uh, daily next week, uh, and then we'll pick up on the following week, and we'll start our Theology 300 series where we will, uh, for three weeks, we'll reflect on God the Father, God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit. And so that'll uh, be a delight and a joy to, to reflect with you on, on those um, very important theological uh, terms and ideas and realities. And so the morning psalm, uh, Psalm 120. I always like the, the 30th day of the month, the, the five psalms are refreshing. This is perhaps the most challenging of the psalms. This is one of the pilgrim psalms as the uh, people of God would be making their pilgrimage up to Jerusalem for the holy festivals. <clears throat> I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Save me, O Lord, from lying lips and from deceitful tongues. What will he do to you, and what more besides, O deceitful tongue? He will punish you with a warrior's sharp arrows, with burning coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I dwell in Meshech, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And that's Psalm 120. And so this is the first of the 15 pilgrim psalms, the psalms of ascent, as they would make their ascent up to Jerusalem. And it's interesting because it, it's not a happy psalm at all. You think, you know, when you get to, when you get to go to, go to church, uh, there would be some happiness. Psalm 121, the next psalm, I lift my eyes to the hills. Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. But this psalm begins in the context of living in a world that does not honor God, that does not um, speak the truth, the deceitful tongue, the lying lips. And so I think there's a sense in which the, the, the journey or the pilgrimage of faith begins in the context of the valley, of, the, of the, the brokenness and the fallenness of the world and this call to turn from that and to turn towards the Lord. So kind of that call of repentance, uh, to renounce and, and to return. And, and so, um, yeah, so it's an interesting little psalm, uh, but the the... the, the phrase or the, the line I think that, that I want to lift up by way of highlight, I am a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And so it's this reality that we live in a world where, where not only is there warfare, but we find ourselves in it sometimes. Um, be it certain relationships uh, or um, 
the context of communities. We see our, our nation convulsing right now. We can't seem to figure out how to talk about and how to address uh, issues of race, uh, the continued protests that are going on, some of which, many of which I'm sure are peaceful, some of which uh, turn violent, and then the, the, the narrative or the rhetoric around that, and then people lining up on the two camps, you know, behind, uh, you know, who's, who's, who's uh, at fault around this. And so, you know, maybe the, the context of our current moment is actually helpful and uh, to, to, to read this psalm and to recognize there, is, there are lying lips, there are deceitful tongues. Um, who can we trust? What, 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 what news, what reporting, um, what story can we believe, should we believe, and what story will we tell? And God deliver us from lying lips and deceitful tongues. May we not participate in the deceit and in the lies. And so we come back to our scriptures, we come back to these uh, sacred words, the sacred text, which we take as our authority. Again, that's the foundation for all of our theological reflection, is that these words uh, in the Bible are our uh, authoritative text. And so we don't rely on ourselves, but we rely on God's word, and we, we need to rigorously and robustly study and interpret, and we wrestle with the text. And so, let me turn uh, to another one of our reflections on uh, salvation, uh, Theology 203. And so, salvation, we're talking about living the saved life now. Okay, we have been saved, we were justified at the cross, and so um, the scripture says, uh, all will be justified who place their faith in Jesus and the blood of Jesus, that innocent substitute, we receive his, his righteousness, and our guilt is, is uh, transferred to him. And so we have been saved, we have been justified, we are being saved, that is we are being sanctified, we're being transformed. God is restoring his image, his glorious image in us, shattered in the fall and by our sin, he's bringing things back together. And so he calls us, Jesus calls us to take up our cross and to follow him, to deny ourselves, and so it's that, um, it's that call to follow um, that salvation is not just get the magic ticket and live as we want, but it's now we live as the followers of Jesus. And his was a suffering life. And so the cross-shaped life or a cruciform uh, life, a pattern uh, to this life. And so have read the last a couple days of have worked through a couple passages, Philippians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to work back to that verse uh, yesterday, 2 Corinthians 5, 16, where Paul writes, we regard no one any longer from a human point of view or a worldly point of view. Um, the, the Greek phrase, I don't know, it may be a little too small to read this. This is Greek, katasarka, according to the flesh. And by that, that's, the, that's Paul's way of referring when he, when he writes about the flesh. And that phrase, katasarka, shows up often in his writings, according to the flesh. He's not talking just about the, 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 you know, the physical matter of our flesh. He's speaking about a principle, a sin principle, 
that is in the human family. And so this is what we have inherited, just as we inherit you know, physical features from our parents through the human family, through the centuries, uh, this thing has been transmitted. A, 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 an inward reality, this autonomous spirit that I believe I'm right, I set myself up in opposition to others, I often defy legitimate authority, um, I, I experience life as, a, as kind of estrangement and alienation, and we saw this in the garden, Adam and Eve, estranged from each other, estranged from God. And so the sense of alienation and loneliness and the inward ache for connection and community that we, we yearn for but we cannot always seem to achieve. Um, and then this tendency to avoid responsibility, blame others, play the victim. All of that, that thing manifests in every human being. That's what Paul's writing when he talks about katasarka. It's according to the flesh. So we no longer view people that way. We once regarded Jesus that way. So Paul, the former persecutor of the church, a turned apostle, turned disciple, follower of Jesus, he recognizes that he once looked at Jesus that way, once looked at other people that way, through the lenses of his own sense of right and wrong. And so deeming Jesus to be wrong and to be a blasphemer and the followers of Jesus, uh, that they are deserving of death. And so Paul writes that we no longer look at people uh, according to the flesh. And so that, that notion of that we are ourselves little gods, we become the judge and jury, we're little tyrants, and we view others as enemies. And then we gather into you know the moral tribes. Paul is renouncing that. He's saying, in Christ... We do not look at people that way. We now look at people as made in the image of God, as those whom God has called and wishes to be reconciled with. And so he's entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation. And so this, this, this engagement with the world, of course we're going to run into people who oppose us. Of course we're going to run into people who resist the message of Jesus Christ. That's katasarka. They're, of course, that are going to resist defy, uh, bending the knee to another authority and to confessing Jesus as Lord because they wish to be Lord themselves. And so, in such a world, we're going to run into hostility, opposition, difficulty, and challenge, but that's what we're called to do. And so, it's this call into such a life. And so, um, th this thought of... We need to surrender uh, this part of the, the change that happens in picking up the cross. We surrender the need and desire to control and dominate others. That's that katasarka, living um, uh, according to the flesh. And so the cross changes the way we view people. We don't view them as rivals, as enemies, as those we need to control and dominate, katasarka, so that I can feel good about myself. I now see people as image bearers. I see them almost with a sense of pity that, that oh my goodness, you know, they're lost, they're estranged, they're, 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 they're living apart from God. And so, and so we, we spend ourselves not to control them, but to, but to share with them and to plead with them, as Paul does in that 2 Corinthians passage, pleading with them to be reconciled to God. So I just wanted to kind of come back to that. That is, that is a, a, probably a way more important verse 
uh, so 2 Corinthians 5.16, to no longer view people according to the flesh from a worldly point of view. And that's, that's that, that original sin, viewing people that way. So, so uh, keep teasing that out in your mind. Okay, the passage I want to study today that, that again leads us to the cross-shaped life, the, the life we are called to in following Jesus, is from 1 Peter chapter 2. And so let me, uh, let me read this. This is Peter, uh, the, the, the chief apostle. For, uh, let me give you a little context here too. Uh, the context, and we studied this uh, at Greenwich last uh, fall, I think it was, we did our first Peter series. And uh, the persecution at the hands of the Roman Empire that, that brooks no rivals and Christians are saying Jesus is Lord. And, and the Roman Empire says, no, Caesar is Lord. And so, and so the Roman Empire persecuting uh, the Christian family. And then the old covenant leaders, the Jewish leaders, also are resisting uh, this, this young, uh, new community of former old covenant people who've now embraced Jesus as the new covenant. And so, so the context is persecution, okay? For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I hope you can hear the cross in there, okay? And so again, Peter is uh, wrapping this reflection, this call to the Christian, how we are supposed to live, he wraps it around what Jesus did through his death on the cross. And so the context, again, of persecution, unjust suffering, and so it is commendable to bear up under unjust suffering. Obviously, if we do wrong and we're penalized in some way, pff, well, that, that's what's supposed to happen, right? Um, you know, if you, if you break the law, you pay the penalty. But if we bear up under unjust suffering, if we've done good, if we've done right, and then we find ourselves uh, opposed by the world or persecuted uh, in, in some way and bear up under that, then we are commended. For to this, that is bearing up under unjust suffering, to this you were called. So this is part of the Christian life. So just like Paul said, you were granted not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. That is part of the package. That's part of the deal. The Christian is called not only to believe in Christ and embrace him and the cross, but then to suffer for him. And that's the call into a cross-shaped life. So to this you were called 
because Christ suffered for you. He bore up under unjust suffering. There was nothing he had done wrong to deserve that death on the cross. He did it for you and for me. He did it for the sins of the world. And so he bore that patiently, willingly, on behalf of others. And so Christ suffered for you, so he's done this, setting an example. Okay, so there you go. So Jesus, not only does his cross accomplish our justification, the pardon for our sins, but then it serves in an exemplary fashion. He left us an example that we should follow in his steps. And so Christians, if we are to follow Jesus, we follow in his steps. We follow into this cruciform, cross-shaped life where we will find ourselves bearing up under unjust suffering. And so uh, uh, Peter goes on, when Jesus was insulted, he did not retaliate. That is so important. I mentioned this on Monday. Some of the elements of the cross-shaped life, the cruciform life, is we do not retaliate. We do not seek revenge. Fighting back is no part of the Christian life. Rather, so Jesus could have fought back. Jesus had legions of angels at his command. But he then would not have fulfilled the Father's plan and purpose. He had a mission. <laughs> And so that's why he was wrestling, Father, if there's any other way for this cup to pass, may it be so, but not my will, thy will be done. That, that last temptation of Christ, as it were, that he had to resist. And so, and so we are called not to retaliate. When insulted, uh, he did not retaliate. Um, uh, let me see, what, uh, when, uh, when he suffered, he made no threats. And so Jesus didn't, well, I'm going to get you. I'm going to fix you as they're, as they're nailing him to the cross. He, he bore it he, quietly, patiently, willingly, uh, excruciating pain, but he, he bore that out. And so we are, that's the example for the Christian. Okay, We do not retaliate when people insult us, when people offend us, when people oppose us. We do not seek retaliation. We do not seek to control and dominate. We don't seek power over them to shut them up and to lock them away and, and, and to do those things. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly, to God. And so he entrusted himself ultimately in that final act. Father, I'm entrusting you to make all things right. That he was going to come back on the third day, that he was going to live again after suffering death, tasting death for humanity, that he would come back and that the Father would make all things right. And so we bear up under the, 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 the unjust suffering, believing that God knows. We entrust ourselves. God, you see what's going on here. You know my motives. You know my intentions. You know what I'm trying to do here. You see what others are saying about me. You're seeing how I'm being treated. I'm going to trust you to make all things right. You're going to settle the score. I'm not going to try to settle it. I'm going to trust you to even things out and, and to vindicate and, and to set things right. Friends, that is really hard to do. Okay, I mean, you know that. But we are called to this. This is the cross-shaped life. This is what it means to live as a Christian. 
That's what sets us apart from the world, because the world seeks revenge, it seeks retaliation, it's tit for tat, it's eye for eye, it's tooth for tooth. It is that kind of world that we live in, and the Christian lives differently, and that's what sets us apart. And it's sad when I see Christians seeking power, seeking to control others, seeking revenge, seeking to vindicate themselves, ostensibly to protect and defend the, the good name of God. God's big enough to defend his own name, okay? We don't have to do that. We bear witness, we speak the truth, and then if we receive uh, a punishment or some penalty or, or some, uh, some, some blowback, as it were, then we bear up under that, okay? That's what we're called to. And then Peter reminds us, he himself bore our sins on the tree. By his wounds you were healed. He, he's citing uh, Isaiah 53, but that's that concept of salvation as healing, the cure. So the remedy for our lives was when Jesus died uh, on the cross. For you, have, you were like sheep, gone astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd of your souls. And so the cross is woven throughout this passage but it's a call to the Christian to live a certain kind of way. I, I, I'm not saying this is easy, and I'm sure it is troubling as we hear this, and then we you know, pay attention to the news, we pay attention to what's happening, and it, we have to separate out our, our life as a Christian and the following of Jesus Christ and the, and the troubles that we experience in our civil society and, and politically and socially and culturally, some of the disappointment it's hard sometimes to, to sort those out, but, but our faith and our politics are not the same thing, okay? And so, and so but, as a, but we're always a Christian first, okay? And, and so we need to be attentive to that. And so um, uh, a couple of years ago, I had occasion to interact with this passage with our elders. There were some things that were, were happening um, that this seemed the appropriate passage to reflect on with our elders. And I used the phrase, friends, this is graduate level discipleship, or as kind of I speak of it now, apprenticeship. This is graduate level apprenticeship to Jesus. Friends, this is not easy. I, I do not expect the, the brand new believer to fully understand these concepts because they're, 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 the, the joy of their salvation and the joy of, of knowing Jesus and the joy of forgiveness and freedom, that, that's what dominates the, the, the newborn Christian. But as we progress in our faith and we come to these realities, it's not long before the newborn Christian finds that everybody's not as excited about their newborn faith or newfound faith as they are because they might go out and start to witness and they find some resistance. And so this is a passage for all Christians, but this is graduate uh, level discipleship. And so this, it's this idea that I am a man of peace, but when I speak, they are for war. That's Psalm, 100 and, uh, Psalm 120. And so as Christians, we think of ourselves as people of peace. And so why is it then that when Christians try to speak into uh, the, the, the needs uh, of our day and into uh, the realities of our lives and of our society, we find ourselves, you know, well, you Christians are narrow-minded or you're bigoted or you don't understand or you're part of the problem. You know, I'm a man of peace. And when I, 
when I, I pursue that peace, I, I find, you know, that others are for war. They, they, they want to kind of fight a little bit. Um, and so there, there's two Proverbs. I know we're starting, we, we're starting a, a study of the Proverbs on Sunday morning. We're not going to get to these couple Proverbs, I don't think, in the coming weeks. But um, I thought they, they, they're, they're worth lifting up in this context. Um, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16 a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. The fool shows his annoyance at once, and so we live in a foolish society because people are offended at the drop of a hat. You just say anything, and you're saying positive things, and people find that, oh, you know, you're, you're saying things, and, you know, you're... you're you know, demonstrating some bigotry or some other thing, just, you're just trying to live your life. People are offended um, at, the, at the, the, the drop of a pin, it seems. A prudent man, a wise person, a mature person, overlooks an insult. I, I'm, I know that person can do better. I'm not going to hold them. I, I'm not going to try to get back at them. I'm not going to let that insult, you know, wound me. And so... Uh, a fool shows his annoyance at once. So, so as Christians, let us not be foolish. Let us not be annoyed quickly. Okay? Let's not, let's not fly off the handle. Let's not be offended at what others say. Uh, let's, let's be prudent. Let's be wise and overlook the insult. And then chapter 19, uh, verse 11. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory. It is to his credit. It is commendable. If you bear up under unjust suffering, it is commendable. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus prayed from the cross. And so we as Christians do well to, to embrace that same spirit. When folks uh, um, insult us, when folks uh, annoy us, um, when um, people offend us, because I'm not saying we're, we don't feel the offense. I think we will feel that. And this is the test of character. This is the graduate level apprenticeship. We overlook that insult. We overlook that offense. It is to our glory. It is commendable uh, for us to do that. And so let me urge you uh, to... To go back and read First Peter chapter two for yourself to, to wrestle with the text so you can uh, perhaps commit parts of it uh, to memory um, and to study this and, and to build this into your own Christian life um, in your family, in your work, in the community, in the social media community uh, as you interact there and, and find things flying back and forth that we would show ourselves to be a different kind of people. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus. By his wounds, we are healed, we are made whole, we are rescued, we are saved. By the power of your gracious spirit, with the guidance of these true words, Lord, help us to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. Help us to bear up under the insults, the offenses, where we believe unjustly as Christians we have been treated. 
and help us, O oh Lord, to follow the example of Jesus, that we would demonstrate to the world a different kind of life that would be part of the healing uh, and the restoration of the world itself. And so even this day, Lord, as we may have occasion to be at odds with someone else, Lord, help us to rise above. It is to our glory to overlook an offense. And so may the power and strength and hope and humility of Jesus be in us. And so grant to us your grace. Keep the Greenwich Church family in your care for those who mourn, those in need of healing those uh, whose relationships are struggling right now in the home with children, as spouses, Lord, where there's financial hardship and uh, underemployment or unemployment, oh Lord, we, we pray your kindness and, and grace to those in need. And Father, for those who serve in the community uh, to protect and defend and to keep us safe, those who labor uh, in the healing arts and the medical professions, Lord, uh, we pray your favor and protection. O oh God, in all things, keep us in your care as we seek to follow Jesus faithfully and to offer these prayers in his name, even as he taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, may this God who loves you passionately and prove that and demonstrate that through Jesus' death on the cross, may he give you strength and power this day for all that is necessary, and may he keep you in his care now and forevermore. Amen.